If you're an author or plan to be one, get excited because this podcast is for you. Book Marketing Mentors is the only podcast dedicated to helping you successfully market and sell your book. If you're ready for empowering conversations with successful marketing mavens, then grab a coffee or tea and listen in to your host, international best-selling author, Susan Friedman. Welcome to Book Marketing Mentors, the weekly podcast where you learn proven strategies, tools, ideas, and tips from the masters. Every week, I introduce you to a marketing master who will share their expertise to help you market and sell more books. Today, my special guest mentor of the week is leadership guru, Phil Van Hooser. Phil has taught his proven leadership skills nationally and internationally. He's built a successful career developing and marketing customized leadership programs, and most recently, he masterminded a comprehensive leadership development program called Leaders Ought to Know. He's the author of four best-selling books. He's honest, trustworthy, genuine, and I'm extremely proud to call a dear friend. So, Phil, welcome to the show. My, my, my. Thank you, Susan. I'm glad to be here, and thank you for that wonderful introduction. Well, great. Well, Phil, you've got so much experience, and I know that we could talk about so many things, but let's focus on, you know, the way you have used your books in your marketing mix. You've got four of them. How have you used them? Well, Susan, like many people who were novice or neophyte authors and writers, my initial intent was and dream was to be a best-selling author in the same vein, maybe of uh, Stephen King, from the business standpoint, at least. You know, I saw myself as selling millions of copies of books, but that's just not been the reality for me. But the book has still been a wonderful, or the books have still been wonderful tools that I've been able to use in my business. The primary way that I use the books at this particular moment in time, is to build credibility and open doors with individuals and prospects that I'd like to make a connection with, that I'd like to share more information with, professionally, of course. And the book is a wonderful way. The books, the multiple books, are wonderful ways for me to be able to accomplish that goal. Now, when you do that, I mean, do you just send them a copy? You know, what's the process? Well, it all depends on the circumstance, of course. Let's assume, for example, that I'm in the process of trying to to market specifically to a company. Well, if I can make a contact with them, or even if I can't make a direct contact, I might send a book as an intro with a note that says, heard a lot about your organization, think we might have something that we could partner on. Here's a sample of my work and my philosophy, for example. And if I'm talking about leadership, I'll send the Leaders Ought to Know book. If I want to talk to them about customer service, I'll send my customer service book. So I can do it that way, sort of a cold call, and it serves as a tool of introduction. Let's assume I travel a lot like you do. Let's assume I meet someone on an airplane, and you know, you've got two hours from point A to point B, and you end up talking about what do you do? And I ask them, of course, what they do. And in the process, I'm going to mention that I'm a writer. Well, if I have a book with me, I'll give them a copy right then. But if I don't, when I get back to the office, I'll write them a note and say, you know, it's wonderful meeting and talking with you. Uh, I think we have some things in common. Here's a book to consider. Maybe you'd like to buy copies for your management team, or maybe I can even come in and do a talk for your group. So I I use it in a very loose way. In the most simplistic form, I would tell you it's the best business card I could have. And 
since most of my books are self-published books, the reality of it is it's not terribly expensive either, and yet it may, leaves a, a lasting memory. They're not going to throw a book away where they might throw something else, a packet or a brochure, but they're going to hang on to the book and hopefully read it. So with that, let's go to the next step. Would you then follow up afterwards? How would you, you know, continue that relationship? I would certainly attempt to. It all depends on how willing or how available they are. And most people are. I found that when you are generous with people, people want to reciprocate. They want to be generous with their time or their energy or their information. I'll be honest, uh, we're a relatively small organization. There's two people that work in our organization. And Sometimes I get overwhelmed with responsibilities or obligations, and I don't follow up as well as I should or as often as I should. You know, my wife Susan works in the business as well. Susan is much better at being methodical in that follow-up than I am. But a quick telephone call or a note or an email to someone telling them that, well, I hope you've enjoyed the book, not asking them if they read the book, but I hope you're enjoying the book, sometimes is just enough prompter for them to maybe read a chapter or two where they wouldn't have so that they could respond in some sort of practical way. So do I follow up? Yes. But remember, I'm doing it more for the purpose of selling my presentations than I am selling my books. I'll give you an example that happened just yesterday, in fact. A client of mine called. Now, this is a client that I've worked with over the last seven or eight years, just called out of the blue and said, Phil, we're creating an intern program, a retreat for interns that we're going to be using in our company in the next year. We'd like for you to come and do a training session for them. So I said, sure. They knew my work, so it wasn't a real hard sell. I said, sure, I'd love to. We negotiated the fee, had everything in place, et cetera. We were good to go. And then I said, oh, by the way, Bill, you're going to have 60 interns here. You're trying to teach them leadership skills. Wouldn't it be appropriate for you to buy a copy of my Leaders Ought to Know book for all 60 of them. It was the easiest sell, and it worked out to be the book sells for about $20. We discounted it down to 15 for them, and we sold 60 of them. That's a $900 sale, and it took me about 30 seconds to negotiate that sale. Now, that's how the book works for us. They called to talk to us about our programs, and the book is a way of reinforcing the program and keep the learning opportunity going after the program is over. That's brilliant. That's absolutely brilliant. Because, yes, it can be such an easy sell, that sort of add-on with those books. And you've got them available. So, yes, why not? Great. I'm thrilled that you said that. Let me add one more thing to that, Susan. You know, most of us have our books on Amazon or other delivery mechanisms. And we don't have any control how they are discounted and so on and so forth. One of the things that I found when I'm at presentations or talking to people or marketing directly to individuals or corporations I say, you know, our books are available at all the regular book purchasing spots, Amazon or whatever it may be. I said, but if you're interested, you can contact us directly and we will be sure to autograph and personalize any books that you want, regardless of the number. And as a result, when they call us, we don't discount too heavily or as heavily as some of the others. So I'm able to make a little bit more money, even though I have to autograph and personalize, but it also gives me an opportunity to upsell to other programs and other things that we've got going on as well. So I've signed lots and lots and lots of books, but I've sold more books because I've been willing to sign them and they can't get that through other means. Brilliant. Brilliant. So... 
talking about that, let's look at the Leaders Ought to Know initiative, which you've just masterminded. And I know that mm-hmm. you've created lots of different materials for that program. Where did the book fit into that, your Leaders Ought to Know book? Did it come first? Did the program come first? Talk to us about that. Sure. First of all, the Leaders Ought to Know initiative, let's just talk about it for just a second in the terms of its holistic approach. The Leaders Ought to Know initiative is the sum total of my professional research, my professional content development, and my professional experience over the last 30 years, let's say. So it wasn't one of those things that I just woke up one night and said, okay, I've got this material, I want to write a book, or I want to start this initiative. This is the sum total of the material, content material that I've been developing for 30 years. I thought, how can I repurpose this material in such a way that I can get multiple effect out of it or multiple benefit from it? I just happened to be at the National Speakers Association convention a couple of years ago, and I ran into a book publisher, a publisher who had published one of my earlier books, and he asked me the question. He said, so, Phil, what are you working on? And I said, well, you know, I'm working on a leadership book. Now, mind you, Susan, I didn't have a an outline. I didn't have anything. I had in my mind that if he were interested in a leadership book, I could certainly write it because I had this material out there. I just didn't know how I would organize it. He said, what title do you have? And I said, well, I like the title Leaders Ought to Know because there's some things that I believe leaders ought to know. And he goes, tell me more about it. And so I just outlined some of the things that I talk about in my normal program. Well, the long and the short of it is, he said, I like it. He said, can you give me a proposal? I said, no, I'm not going to give you a proposal unless you can give me pretty good indication that this is a book that you're willing to buy. He said, I'll tell you right now, if you get me a proposal based on what you've told us right now and based on our history with you in the past, we'll buy this book. Well, then I said, well, let me ask you another thing. When can you get it out? He said, if you can get that proposal to us within two months, I'll have the book out in nine months. Okay, now now we have a time frame. I immediately, I had to write the book, of course, but I also, consistent or parallel to that, started thinking, what else can I do with this book when the book comes out? And that's where our leaders ought to know online virtual training program came. And so I immediately started changing my whole branding process from what was previously Van Hooser Associates, my last name, to leadersoughttoknow.com. I bought the website. You know that I've already done over the years, have done a number of things in video training, but I started taking all this information and reinforcing and supporting it that way. And so for the last two and a half years, we've been in the process of writing the book, getting the book published, making the book available, but at the same time, creating a website with video. Now we have somewhere in excess of 50 training videos along with learning activities associated with it, et cetera that are under the leadersoughttoknow.com website. So the book is a good lead-in and a good support, depending upon which way that people find the Leaders Ought to Know site in the first place. Now, I could talk more about that specifically, but that is generally how we've approached this initiative. And quite frankly, it's worked very well for us. People have responded very favorably. So then everybody who buys into the leadership, the Leaders Ought to Know program would get a copy of the book, or have you created a workbook that goes along with it? How have you married those materials? I have a workbook that I use for on-site training, and it is a book that spins off of or out of 
the leaders ought to know book itself. The workbook represents about a 75-hour training program. So people don't have to use all of it, but they see what's available through the workbook. And I tell them this is all uh, spinoff material, spinoff information that came out of my Leaders Ought to Know Ground Rules for Common Sense Leadership book. So the question you asked, though, was do people get a book just because they start using the Leaders Ought to Know online? The answer is no. We don't give it to them. We sell it to them if they want. Now, would I give them a book for the purpose of previewing the leaders ought to know with some anticipation that they will buy at some level? Yeah, I would certainly do that because it goes back to my point about the book becomes the calling card, the business card. But just because they want the online doesn't mean that they want the printed book. But if they do want the printed book, we can certainly make that available. You and I have talked in the past, and we both agree on this, I think, that a lot of people see a book, a printed book, as a physical manifestation of the connection that I had or you had with the author, him or herself. And so online training is very different than holding a book in your hand where you go, this guy wrote this book or this lady wrote this book, and I like him or I like her work, and so therefore I embrace the book. Some people just want to have something they can physically touch that reminds them that there is a connection has been made. And I think that's pretty powerful. I happen to be one of those kinds of people, by the way. And so therefore, I can relate to that concept very well. Excellent. Yes. So, I mean, the book, as you said, is this calling card. And it sounds as if you have taken that and it's the nucleus for everything else that you've built around it. Is that correct? That's perfectly correct. And it is not only the nucleus, it's the entryway, if you will, because if they like the book and the contents of the book, I can say, read the book and I'll call you in a week or two or a month. Read the book and then let's talk about the book. If I call them and I ask them a very simple question, I say, all right, Susan, how did you like the book? Now, you'll be able to read their response. Well, Phil, it was a good book. You know, it was okay. All right, that tells you something. If they say, Phil, it was excellent, or Phil, I love the stories, or Phil, you know, this is exactly what our organization is going through right now, then I can simply say, if you liked the book, you will love the programs that I do, either on-site or online. Let's start talking about how to use this book so that it can start to change the leadership behavior and the leadership culture within your organization. And that has worked exceptionally effective. So back to your comment, is that the nucleus? Absolutely, it's the nucleus because it for it's the cheapest and easiest way for someone to have a picture of who I am, what I do, and how I might be able to help their organization. And that's really powerful. Mm-hmm. So let's step back a bit and you know, many authors find that just marketing their book is a real challenge. So based on your experience, you know, what advice would you share for a first-time author that's sort of maybe struggling with, you know, how do I go about marketing this book? Well, the answer to that question is different depending upon whether it's a self-published book or if it's a book that is published by a publisher that they have to purchase copies at a preset price. If it's a self-published book, and I think for most people – That's the best way to go initially. If your goal is to make money off the book, and I won't go through the mathematics here just now, but if the goal is specifically to make money off of your book, 
Nine times out of 10, you'll make more money from a self-published book than you will from a published book if that's your singular goal. Now, if your singular goal is to get exposure, let's say national or even international exposure, then it may be much wiser to go with a published book. But relative to your question, if I have a self-published book, then there's a lot of things that I can do with it. As I said, giveaways are not that expensive. If you print, let's say, a thousand copies, print on demand now, you might be able to get them for two to three dollars, maybe four dollars a copy. That's not terribly expensive marketing. We've used all kinds of ways to market the book itself. We've done postcard campaigns. We've used email and social media campaigns. Since we have multiple books, as you referenced earlier, we have used discounted rates for multiple books. In other words, buy one book, it's regular price, buy two or three, and we'll give you a discounted price on all of them. And it's amazing how many people will take you up on all of that. And therefore, we've ended up selling more books at a slightly discounted price than we would have if we had just held to the regular price for one book. A few things that I've done that, frankly, I've stopped doing. I don't employ the use of PR agents for the sole purpose of selling a book. I have done that in the past, and I know people have had success with that, but that's never really been as successful for me, and it was a great expense that I thought I could use the money that it would have cost me to do that in other ways more effectively. And so for me, that hasn't worked as effectively. Media interviews. I know a lot of people get on radio talk shows, and that has been very effective. I've done a number of them, but I haven't sold a tremendous amount of books as a result, or at least I can't track that I did. I know a lot of people do book signing tours. When uh, the Leaders Ought to Know book came out, it was prominently featured for the month of November and December of the year it came out by uh, Barnes & Noble in their front window, and they had a special display and so on and so forth. And so I made a concerted effort to get to as many Barnes & Noble stores during that two-month period that I could. I actually visited, I think it was 60-some-odd during the course of that two months. I'm not sure it sold one extra book. I'd go in and sign the books, and it was nice to meet the book sellers themselves, but I'm not sure it really did anything for the sale of the book itself. So I've tried a number of things. For me, adding it to the contract, in other words, when I get a speaking or training engagement, I negotiate the contract and then say, oh, by the way, I would recommend you have a book, and it'll only cost you this much more. That sold a lot of books for us that way. Selling books in the back of the room. Now, not everybody is a speaker or trainer. Not everybody has that same platform that I have. But having books in the back of the room after you've done one of your keynotes, especially if you've referenced that book in the keynote, you know, you can sell several books that way. And at the same time, meet a lot of people that could also possibly allow you the opportunity to do other programs. So there's a number of different ways to market the book. Some I've had more success with, some I've had less. Yeah, great. I love all the the examples that you've given, because those are really concrete examples that people can use. How about mistakes? What mistakes have you made? I know things that haven't worked for you that you mentioned, but have you made some real, you know, boo-boos that you're like, ah! (laughs) (laughs) Well, now, see, I thought this was only a 30-minute interview. If you want to know about my boo-boos, it'll take hours to talk about that. You know, there haven't been a lot of serious mistakes, I would say, because I'm constantly monitoring how did that work? And if it worked well, then we'll build on it. If it didn't work so well, then we'll back away from it. But there's a couple of things that I would recommend that people at least be aware of. 
especially for the first book or two, you get so excited. You've got your first book out and you're inappropriately excited. I mean, it's taken a lot of hard work. It may be a labor of love that you've wrestled with for years and years. And then in my case, as a speaker and a trainer, if you spend too much time talking specifically about the book and how the book came about and how the book changes people's lives, et cetera, then it frankly, it becomes overkill. And people think, oh, he's just trying to sell me something. If on the other hand, you mention the book and say, here's one of the most critical lessons I've learned. And you might reference the book or maybe even read a short passage from the book, but without ever referencing it. And by the way, you can have yours in the back of the room before, you know, if you use it as a tool, as opposed to a product, I think that was a mistake I made early on that I tried to sell too hard. And as a result, I drove people away instead of drawing them to me. Another thing that I would simply say about books is I don't think we write enough of them. Now, do they have to be hardback books in the traditional sense of the word? No. I mean, we can have electronic books. We can have white papers. We can In this day and time, especially with all the digital opportunities that are available to us, writing should be, well, a responsibility that all of us wrap our arms around. If we've got a message, if we've got content, if we've got something we want to share with the world, we should be writing more often, not less often. I've caught myself getting into this phrase, okay, I've got six months to write this book, and then I don't write anything else for, let's say, the next 18 months. I don't think that's the way it should be. I think we should be writing, creating on a regular, ongoing basis. And as a result of not having done that over the time, I would consider that to be one of the mistakes or one of the faux pas that I've made. I don't know. There's probably some others, but those are the two that come quickly to mind relative to things that if if I could change something today, those are two things that I would change. Yeah. And I I agree with you because I've, I've done the same. I've worked so hard at just selling books and I'm noticing more and more and hearing this that, you know, people don't really make money selling books. It's the other things, the speaking engagements, the coaching. And as you say, if it using it as an add on, in your contracts. I mean, that's where you can make that extra. But just making money selling books, unless you're a celebrity, is very, very rare. So what's the uh, best way that listeners can find out more about your services? Oh, well, thank you. I'm pretty easy to connect with. I mentioned the Leaders Ought to Know. They can go to the Leaders Ought to Know website, www.leaders, plural, leaders, Ought, O-U-G-H-T, to, T-O, no, K-N-O-W, leadersoughttoknow.com. They can email me, Phil, P-H-I-L, at leadersoughttoknow. Or if someone wanted to talk directly to us, that's always fun. I'd be happy to welcome a telephone call. Our office number is area code 270-365-1536. If anybody's interested and maybe has a question that I could answer based on our conversation here today, I'd be happy to do that. Excellent. Excellent. So, you know, as we draw this to a close, because I mean, all good things come to an end, unfortunately, but if you could leave our leaders with a golden nugget of information, what would that be, Phil? When you write, write in your own voice as if you're a conversation with the person. Because when you begin to sell that product, if people can sense your personality, your heart, 
your passion, as if they were sitting across the table from you. If you can corner that or if you can corral that in the form of your writing. And here's just a quick writing tip. It's not about selling the book, but ultimately it helps sell the book. Before I ever finish a chapter, before I ever declare a chapter completely finished and done and moving on to the next chapter, I literally go in a room by myself and read that chapter aloud. Not to anyone, just to myself. And if I can read that chapter in the same way or in a very similar way that I would be talking to an individual, then I consider that chapter complete. And that has been wonderful for me because I'll have people read my books and call me up and say, Phil, you know, I've heard you speak a number of times or you and I have known each other for a number of years. It was like you were in the room with me. I could hear you talking. And I believe that has sold a lot of books for me because the conversational tone and being able to capture that, that's a technique or a tool that I would highly recommend. If people don't use at least experiment with it a little bit. And that just talks to, you know, what a genuine person you are. And that comes over in everything you say. And as you say, you write as well. So that's wonderful. And I'm thrilled to have had you on the show. Thank you so much for sharing your expertise. And thank you all for taking precious time out of your day to listen to this interview. And I sincerely hope that it sparks some ideas that you can use to sell more books. Here's wishing you much marketing success. The time is now to take action and finally build your book-selling empire. And the great news is that Susan is here to help you. Visit bookmarketingmentors.com and sign up for a free 15-minute book marketing strategy session with Susan. She'll help you discover your first steps to marketing and selling your book. Only those who take action are rewarded, so visit bookmarketingmentors.com and we'll see you again next week.